Hey, it's Ale. I appreciate you listening to the show. We talk a lot about the one-page strategic plan. It's the fastest, most effective business plan that we've developed for our clients. I'm making the full toolkit available to you for free. You get a video course, workbook, and strategic plan template. Visit lawfirmsuccessgroup.com and click the Get My Business Plan button to get it at no charge. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Brittany Botorf, co-founder and partner with Insight Council LLP, and they specialize in workplace investigations. Brittany, welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Thank you, Alay. I am delighted to be here. I am so glad that we're talking. We don't get to chat often enough. Um, and congratulations, by the way, on launching your own firm. That's terrific. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I um, actually launched my own solo practice about... Oh, we're going on two years, and and then, but then this past January, I partnered up, and so created a new partnership called Insight Council. Well, we are going to dig into that uh, in this podcast. I'm very excited to hear the details about how that went and why you chose to do that. But workplace investigations is a really growing area. It seems like there's a lot of attorneys who are opening up their own shingle, focusing on workplace investigations. So, how did you get into this area of the law? That is a great question, and um, it found me um, when I started working at Mayer Law Group with Diana Mayer, who's uh, been an employment lawyer for for decades. But uh, she may not want me to <laughs> say that. <'cause> she, <laughs> but but anyway, I started working for her firm uh, several years ago, and I had done some employment law, but had not fully focused on it. I come from a litigation background in general and had done different aspects of litigation, including some employment law, but her firm does only employment law. And as soon as I started working with her firm, um, just she started to get workplace investigations and uh, she and the other attorney there at the time, Beth, were um, really preferred at that time doing more of the advice and counsel work. And I just immediately loved the workplace investigations, it, um, I have always said, if I weren't an attorney, I would be either a private investigator or a therapist. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and workplace investigations kind of combines all three. Um, not that I do any therapeutic work really, but it's all about listening to people and really empathizing and understanding their experiences. Um, and so I just loved it. And so they were really happy that I was willing to take on a lot of the investigations work and it just kept coming our way. Um, and she still does a, a ton of it even to this day. And, um, and she does more of it now than, than she did when I was there because I was, uh, leading that charge. Yeah. And now, and now you get to do that. That's my, that might be all that you do. We're going to find out. So what do you enjoy most about your law practice as it stands today? And how has that evolved and changed over the years? So I've, well, that's, <laughs> that's a great question. And, and there, it feels like there's a couple of layers of that, LA. Um, in terms of like the practice itself of workplace investigations, I really love the combination of interacting with people one-on-one in a you know private setting and just hearing 
about their experiences and their perspectives. And then I love um, analyzing and synthesizing really complex situations into something that the client and the parties involved can really digest and understand. And so there's a writing component and an analytical component to that. And then I, I really love that they're most of the workplace investigations are very contained. They take anywhere between four to maybe eight weeks. And so unlike litigation, which seems like it could take four to eight years, yeah, um, yeah. You, get, you, you, you get the new case, you dive in and then you tidy it up and, and then you dive out. Um, and so there are these kind of, you know, and then you go to the next one. So I really love all of that. But then on another layer of that is just having my own firm and being able to have so much autonomy over my work schedule and the type of work I do and the clients I work with. So you've been a partner at a firm and you chose to leave that and start your own firm as a solo. And let's, let's take that piece. I know your firm has evolved since then, but let's focus on when you became a solo. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the challenges that you experienced um, as a solo? So I went from a, uh, about a five or six attorney firm that had some support, some terrific support, terrific attorneys and terrific support. So the biggest challenge was losing my colleagues and losing kind of the staffing support and having to do everything on my own, including you know invoicing clients and uh, formatting my own documents and figuring out how to do a table of contents um, and not having the, the colleagues there to review my work and to be a thought partner um, in, you know, work through kind of thorny situations that I was going through. I also really missed mentoring um, the, the associates. So as a solo, I had to kind of come up with um, surrogates for those things, surrogate uh, work colleagues and surrogate staffing support. Um, and it's in part why I eventually partnered up with, with someone because the, the surrogates weren't quite the same thing as the real deal. Well, let's, let's hone in on that because this is oftentimes something I see over and over again, where an attorney who is doing very well at a larger firm chooses to leave and, and opens a solo shop. And they assume that uh, they don't have to work as hard. They can, you know, because they have less overhead, uh, they can make, they can keep more of what they make and they can have a nicer quality of life and, and really do the kind of practice that they want. And then they find that they are, you know, dealing with a lot of things that you mentioned. They, they miss their colleagues. Um, mm -hmm. They miss the collegiality of, of being in a firm. And they also miss the resources that the firm had. And all of a sudden, they're not just able to practice law. They have to do everything, all the non-law aspects of running a firm. And you mentioned you use surrogates for that. And so how did you overcome that, that challenge of, of doing all the non-law firm things that you needed to do to run a business? Because now you were a business person. Right. And I didn't, unlike you, I did not go to business school and they don't actually teach this in law school, at least not when I went. <laughs> um, so I really relied on um, the Bar Association has the solo small firm section, which is actually how I know you, Elaine. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a great resource for pooling together people who are solo attorneys and small firm attorneys. And they helped me find the circuits that I was talking about. Um, and they helped me find a, a legal secretary who will do contract legal, uh, it's legal assistant work. And then I found a proofreader who also works on just a uh, contract basis with me who helps proofread my reports. 
Um, and I've, uh, I also worked uh, with a couple of attorneys as contract attorneys who would kind of serve as that colleague slash thought partner that I alluded to earlier. So it was just, you know, but it is, it is a bit cobbling together. <laughs> it is not as cohesive and seamless as it is in a more established firm. But at the same time, there was a lot of autonomy and a lot more ability to just go in the direction that I wanted to go. And that direction for me was just to focus exclusively on workplace investigations and um, just teach more. I'm active in a professional association called the Association for Workplace Investigators. And I um, sure. am very involved with, they have a whole institute, which is a, around learning and teaching others the craft of doing workplace investigations. And so it's just, like you said, it just allowed me some more flexibility that um, wasn't quite there when I was a partner at a firm and had some other obligations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you were able to realize that flexibility. Not everyone does when they start off and, and start off as a solo. And there was something you mentioned there that I wanted to dig just a little bit deeper on. This idea of finding um, partners or resources that can come in and, and help you do specific tasks. You mentioned finding and hiring a proofreader, finding and hiring a legal secretary. Um, one of the challenges that solos have when they start off is they recognize that they have a lot of those kinds of needs, mm -hmm. but they're really challenged with what are the top one or two things that they should be doing? You know, what are the top one or two gaps that they should be filling or needs they should be addressing first, because there's so many of them. And so think back to your experience as a solo, just starting out. And now you're now you're thinking, okay, I need a proofreader. I need a legal assistant. How did you determine that those were the areas that you had to fill most urgently? Well, that really came down to thinking from my client's perspective, because it doesn't benefit the client to have me proofread my own work for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm too close to it. And so I can't see the mistakes as well, because I've read it already a ton of times. And if I'd already seen if I'd seen it, I would have corrected it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, and then it doesn't make sense for the client to pay me to proofread it if I can get somebody who, who, who does that um, for a lower rate. Um, and so either I write off if I proofread my own work or, or I find somebody who can do it at a much kind of more affordable rate for the client. Um, and so that, and it's similar to the, to the legal assistants. Sometimes the legal assistant needs to do stuff that, that I can um, build time for, but it just doesn't make sense for me to do it. So those are kind of the two that most immediately popped out because it just didn't serve my clients for me to do that myself and either didn't serve me to do it and write it off. And it didn't serve my clients for me to do it and build them for it. Um, I, I love that perspective and attorney entrepreneurs, as you're listening, I hope you took note of that. What Brittany did and something that we do with our clients is she took a client perspective into figuring out what are the, the changes or the gaps that needed to be addressed in her firm first. And one of the signals that you can look for, for that in your own firm is if you find that you're doing tasks where you have to routinely discount your rate or write off time, because it's not an attorney's role to be doing that. And so you have to charge according to um, 
the rate for that role, that's a signal that you might need to hire for that position, not necessarily as a full-time employee, but as a part-time employee or a contractor as Brittany was able to do. And the other thing is, as you're looking at your customer experience, just putting yourself in, in your client's shoes, thinking about areas where you know, if you were just a little bit less busy, you'd be able to get back to them a little bit faster, or they'd be able to get a better experience if there was someone there ready to pick up the phone every time they called. So they weren't waiting four hours, six hours to the next day for you to become available and return that call. Those are some of the signs that you can look at as far as next steps to take. Brittany, does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And you, I'll give you a kind of a counter example of one I didn't really to, uh, farm out, but I have since I formed my um, partnership. And man, do I wish I had done it earlier. <laughs> uh, and that's because it didn't impact my clients. It only really impacted me. And that was the accounting bookkeeping piece. And I, I like spreadsheets. I like numbers. I was a math major. So I thought, oh, I can do this. And I use Clio. And I don't actually have that many matters at any one time because I, like I explained, you know, these investigations take four to six weeks. And so I, I just have a few matters for any billing cycle. So it seemed theoretically on paper, like, oh, I can do all of that. I got um, QuickBooks online. I got my Clio. I'm good. And the truth was, I was always behind in my invoicing and kind of my expensing. And because uh, this was in the days when I would travel and have a lot of expenses. And, mm -hmm. and it just like, it was a lot of extra work that someone else could do for me better <laughs> than I was doing. Right. And so when I got a partner, um, I, that was, I knew like, I can't figure out like the, how much we pay each other and like all of that, it just became too convoluted. And so I was forced to get a bookkeeper slash accountant and it's been, oh, such a relief. It's great, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's uh, when we're working with a, a client who's starting their own firm, there's two things we suggest or two roles we suggest they fill right away. Uh, the first is a bookkeeper accountant. Um, the second is an IT person. <laughs> And yeah. Attorney, yeah, so um, I'm glad to hear that uh, you went and you remedied that. That's that's awesome, and it and it's great to, yeah. have, to have that full time. It just makes everything go so much faster and smoother. I recruited my um, then 16 year old son, who's like rarely not on the computer unless he's sleeping. Um, he's kind of my unofficial tech person. Awesome, but, awesome. <laughs> yes. No, that's great. Um, and so now you, you, you left the solo world and you partnered up. And uh, mm -hmm. before we get into the partnering experience, what, what, uh, take us back to that time where you were a solo and now you said, you know what, I really need to partner up with somebody or I need to partner up with this person. Take us through how that, how that went for you. Well, that was really organic, LA. Um, I had So I partnered up with Kim McCourt and Kim had worked with me at Marywell Group. And in fact, I trained her on workplace investigations. She had done the, the AWI Institute I was talking about. I hadn't met her through there, but met her through a mutual friend. And Diana hired Kim to do workplace investigations. And so I mentored her through that and trained her and had a deep respect for her abilities, both to talk to people, listen compassionately, and then also her analytical and writing skills. And I really enjoyed working with her. So when I went out on my own, as I mentioned, I really missed working with colleagues and um, missed working with Kim. And around 
2020, you know, early 2020, there was COVID. And so she, variety of financial things happened, right? And she found herself um, needing to pick up some extra investigations work. And so I hired her to do invest an investigation or two as a contractor. And that worked really, really well. And um, we just shared a lot of the same goals in our respective practices and with the firm. And so we decided to partner up and that was effectuated in January. And, and so I was creating this partnership just about a year and a half after I'd created my solo firm. And the experience was entirely different. It was so wonderful to have someone to help me design the logo, to help me figure out what are we going to call ourselves, to help me, you know, there's all these decisions that I had to do by myself before. Um, I now had somebody to do it with. And and I have to say that collaboration, I believe, yielded a greater final product. Like we came up with the um, the name Insight Council together in a brainstorming session, you know, socially <laughs> awesome. distanced outside, right? And, but it wasn't her name and it wasn't my name. It was really this conflation of all these ideas we brainstormed together. And I love the name, but I don't think in, either one of us would have come out, up with it on our own. And that to me is like the whole beauty of partnering with the right person, but it is a marriage. <laughs> and, and you, you've probably seen this too, Elaine, like you want to make sure you, you partner with the right person because it's a, it's a big commitment and it's a, it's a big um, undertaking to do together. Yeah. That's just it. You've clearly found the right person because uh, there's mutual trust there. There's mutual respect, and it's, you know there's mutual affection. You clearly like each other, and you like working together, and you know each other's styles. Um, I love the fact that this just developed organically over time, and that's what I've seen, Brittany. That that is a key ingredient in the most successful partnerships. Is there is a deep level of trust, respect, and admiration before the partnership actually takes place. Um, the other thing I've seen is that as the firm grows and moves forward, both you know the the partners have each other's backs through thick and thin. No matter what happens, it's you know they're they're one hundred percent aligned. They will always support each other, um, and uh, you know even when things are not going well for one of the partners and they're going well for the other, there is just this level of uh, like you said, you know, uh, closeness, kind of like in a marriage um, mm -hmm. where there's absolute trust and. Uh, and absolute support for one another and understanding. And so what are, you know, l l let's hear the pros and let's not call them cons. Let's call them challenges. Let's hear the, yeah. the pros and the challenges now that you've, now that you've partnered up with Kim. So the challenges, there, there are some logistical challenges, right? Like I couldn't do the own bookkeeping because it just, there's just more, <laughs> there's more to keep track of, um, which Maybe, you know, we could also frame as a pro, right? Because now I hired a bookkeeper and that's been a, a positive. Um, there's the challenge of getting enough work in, frankly. Um, Kim liked working at the firm as, a, as an employee because she didn't have to worry about uh developing business. And I, and I knew when she became my partner, that's just not a strong interest of her and she doesn't have a lot of time or passion for it. Mm -hmm. And so that means I have to kind of double duty, right. In terms of bringing in the business, which yeah. means I have to do more of that. Um, and 
that's <laughs> it's it's a challenge in that it's more pressure and then it's also kind of an underlying current of like oh no what if i fail like it's not just my livelihood it's kim's livelihood um which for some reason i can i can fail myself easier than i can fail kim um, sure yeah, I think most people um, are wired that way where, you know, our sense of responsibility to others takes priority over our sense of responsibility to ourself. Um, I know I, I'm the same way too. And that that pressure to make it rain to, mm-hmm. so you can support others can be a lot to deal with. Uh, luckily, I, you know, I, I think I know you reasonably well, and you're very well suited to bring in a business. <laughs> so hopefully over time, um, that issue will just sort of, you know, kind of, kind of work itself out. But the challenge there is you've got to balance making it, making it rain and, and business development with actually doing the workplace investigations. Um, so how do you, how do you navigate that balance? Well, and, uh, and that, when you spoke earlier about when you, when a person goes off on their own and they think they have more time and, you know, like if you pencil it out on paper, you're like, okay, I'm going to make more money. Cause I'm going to be making, working the same hours in building this additional rate. That's not going to the overhead of my former firm. And I'm going to be, you know, making bank, but it doesn't quite work that way. Does it delay? <laughs> because you have to put in all this kind of not directly compensated time to, uh, establishing relationships so you can get that steady stream of referrals. And, and it's work I love and enjoy and thrive on, but it's not directly compensated, especially in the legal field, right? Where everything is just basically a billable hour. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, it's, it's interesting as a law firm grows. So when, when a law firm first gets started, you know, if there's two partners and one partner, typically, they are going to spend a lot of time in non-billable activities. And then as the firm grows, they actually spend oftentimes more time in non-billable activities, but they're able to make more money and take more time off because they're able to leverage and they're able to leverage two things. Um, They're able to leverage their team, which they grow, and they're able to leverage their systems with the, which they put in place. And so to the extent that those are growing with the firm, it's going to take some pressure off of you uh, to maybe, you know, do some of those, either the non-billable work or sometimes even handing off the billable work to other people, you know, besides Kim. And that'll, that'll happen over time. And you'll also find that your role in the firm is likely to change. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned and something that's you know near and dear to my heart, and I appreciate you being you know relatable to our listeners and showing some vulnerability. And one of the things you're working on is working fewer hours and taking more time off, and that relates directly to our conversation. So, um, what are some of the things that uh, that you've tried, and what are the, some of the things that you're interested in trying in terms of ways to back off uh, the hours so you can take some more time? So at the beginning, that's a great question. And at the beginning of the summer, because we're recording this in mid-August 2021, not sure how it became mid-August, but that's where we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at the beginning of the summer, I really, I, I went through a personal move of houses and I uh, took some time off to kind of manage that. And then I really wanted to take more time to kind of just settle in and kind of scale back the amount of work I was doing. Um, but the universe had other plans for me. And so, um, I, I have 
developed a good ability to, I'm not going to say turn away work, but redirect work. Um, and, and that's one of the things I love to do is if, if I get a call for a, a potential investigation and I'm not able to do it or Kim's not able to do it, I love to be able to refer that to one of my trusted fellow investigator colleagues uh, and, and kind of like do professional matchmaking. Um, and so that's a skill that I've had to hone, especially when I was a solo, because it seemed like there'd be lulls. And then there'd be deluges, right? And there was only one of me. Right. Um, so, so then fast forwarding to the summer, I had this, you know, intention of like, I'm going to kind of scale back. I'll either Kim can take on the new investigations or I can redirect them to, to fellow colleagues because the redirection is karmic, right? It comes back to me during the lulls. So I'm all in on, on that. But what ended up happening was I got a few new things that came my way that I just could not say no to. And, you know, we'd need a whole nother hour to explain why. <laughs> That's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they just were like, like one of them was if somebody had to make the ideal investigation pitch perfect for Brittany, that came in the door and it's big and it's, you know, going to be time consuming, but I just couldn't say no to it. And, um, and then a couple of other things came in about uh, in as I mentioned before we started recording, um, Kim and I are expanding what we do into uh, the field of helping to resolve conflict in the workplace. So what we do right now as investigators is we go in and we say, okay, here's, here's the situation. Here's what's going on. We kind of describe and analyze the conflict. And then we hand that over in a written report to the client. And we basically say, good luck with that. And we move on to the next thing. And so Kim and I you know, to kind of help the world as you, as you will, one employer at a time, are, are wanting to maybe also help resolve these conflicts. So it wouldn't be in the situation that we investigated because we needed to maintain our neutrality. And, and so it would be something else, maybe somebody else has investigated or, or hasn't even risen to the level of needing an investigation. And so a couple of things along those lines have came my way this summer that I really couldn't say no to because I really am interested in that. And I've been learning a lot about it and doing a lot of studying and reading and um, getting certificates, but, yeah, but the work yeah. hadn't come. Right. And so when it comes knocking and I like when I, you know, it was like I was out fishing and then I started to put up my pole and then all the fish came. <laughs> so <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, now what do I yeah, do? I had to take the fish. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that answers your question about how I'm doing it. Cause then maybe the answer is I'm not doing it that well, Elaine, but <laughs> I'm uh, what I am doing that is also just similarly fulfilling is crafting my work that I am doing around what I really want to do, what I'm passionate about, what I want to explore. And then, you know, what I feel I'm just really well suited for yeah. as opposed to when I first started out, right. I had to kind of take everything that came along because I was just really hungry and I just needed any fish. Yeah, I totally get it. Um, we're going to get back into that in just a little bit. I just wanted to tie off our conversation about working fewer hours and taking more time off. And uh, I'm not suggesting, Brittany, that you're in this situation because every attorney is different, every firm is different. But oftentimes, you know, my clients are really looking to grow. And so, attorney entrepreneurs, as you're listening here, if you're looking to grow your firm, 
that, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I find um, attorneys make is they wait too long before they hire people, whether it's contractors, part-time employees, full-time employees, they wait too long. And what ends up happening is they end up getting deluged with work and now they've got to bring someone on, but now they don't have time to train that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just gets really overwhelming and it really sucks for them and it sucks for the people they're bringing on board. The opposite is also a problem, which is if you hire too early and now you have to, you know, you can, you can spend all this time training somebody, but now you've got to find work for them and it's a financial drain and hardship on your firm. And you don't want that either. And so one of the ways that we, uh, that we help our clients walk that line is we do something called the 2010-5 rule. I'll just explain it briefly. The idea is in a given week, if, uh, if you bill by the hour and you're a transaction type of attorney, uh, about 20 hours a week on client work, billable work, 10 hours a week on business development, and five hours a week on law firm admin. You add that up, it's about a 35-hour week. And for small firms, I think two partners or less, if each partner is hitting those numbers, typically the firm is going to be doing pretty darn well. Um, you have to figure out the numbers that work best for you, but that's kind of the starting point that we work with with all of our clients. And we have similar numbers for attorneys that do litigation. So yeah, yeah, I, I totally, that really aligns with kind of how mine breaks down. I probably do a little more biz depth than the 10 hours, but that's like, because I'm having to kind of do that for two in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So every attorney has to dial in their own numbers, but uh, I'm glad to hear that that's similar. And, you know, that's only if you want to grow. I mean, a lot of firms Mm -hmm. aren't really interested in growth. And so that's okay. If they've got, you know, a full plate and they're good referring workout and everything like that, and it's all good. That's wonderful. That's what we want. (laughs) Well, but I'll say also though, I'm not sure when and how much Kim and I want to grow, but for me, just building these relationships and you know, teaching, like I talked about, um, there's just personal satisfaction from that and fulfillment, and which is why I want to do the work in the first place, is to give my life some meaning and purpose. And so participating in the Bar Association solo small firm section brings me great satisfaction and, and helps. I, I love mentoring people who are starting out and telling them my experience and helping them find resources and similarly with, with investigators. And so I think that's like a, an intangible benefit as well. And that seems to be a bit of a silver thread that's maybe worked its way through, through your entire professional career is you're, you're not willing to sacrifice your happiness for work. You want to do work that you feel that you enjoy, that you love. Um, so tell me a little bit about you know, how that's gone for you over the course of your career and, uh, and how that's sitting for you today. So um, I would say that was a, uh, <laughs> a change in the direction of my career because I started out my career as a very ambitious, um, gung-ho attorney and I graduated from law school and I clerked on the Texas Supreme Court and I went to work for a very prestigious um, law firm and did litigation. And and I kind of did that route, which a lot of attorneys do. And it's hard to not do when you're given that opportunity. There's a lot of financial reward and social reward. Um, And I burned out quickly. um, And I went in-house and did in-house work because I thought, well, that that would be better. But um, I just wasn't getting the fulfillment from the work itself. And I I blame the law. I thought like, oh, well, maybe I'm not cut out to be a lawyer. 
And I see that a lot. Um, and, and what I eventually learned was I, after I took some time off to, to raise my son and then kind of gradually got back into the workforce was, oh, there's a better way. And I just wasn't doing it the better way. And I didn't know any better. And so I think now there's more resources for, for even younger lawyers, both from law schools and from resources like this one and from people like you that weren't really available back in the stone ages when I got out of law school. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so I, I learned through the school of hard knocks. Um, but that's one of the reasons that I'm so interested in mentoring is because I don't, I would love to help people find that that path of fulfillment much quicker than than my protracted uh, path of suffering <laughs> took. <laughs> well, we we all have those challenges. I know I I did not uh, leave college and decide that I was going to be a business coach for attorneys. It was very much an evolution in progress, and it's continuing you know to evolve as I'm sure your firm is. And so, what are you you know when you think about the future? Mm-hmm. And uh, the next twelve to eighteen months ahead, what really excites you about Inside Counsel? So, what really excites me, Alay, is what I alluded to earlier, and that is kind of taking on this new area of conflict resolution in the workplace. I, I try to think of it as like piecework in the workplace because I see so much disturbance and um, disharmony right now. Um, in workplaces, and it does seem to have gotten a little more disharmonious, if that's a word. Uh, It's gotten more disharmonious over the past year and a half to two years. Yeah. And and so I think what Kim and I can bring to this is our vast experience of looking at all this conflict and disharmony and seeing the type of problems it causes and what those problems look like and what they sound like trying to catch it on the front end before it becomes infected, you know, just trying to heal the wound before it's like you need the amputation. Um, and, and, you know, working more proactively with, with companies and employers to, to have their employees feel that they are thriving and don't have to, I mean, I hear stories of people who get sick at their stomach when they have to go to work, you know, who, who just, it, it sounds like trauma really in the workplace. And we all have so much trauma in our lives just from living that, you know, I think if we can help heal those broken working relationships, then, you know, that's one step towards healing the world. Well, that is an ambitious and lofty goal and certainly one that's worth pursuing. So, Brittany, I wish you and Kim all the best as you add this this new area of practice to your law firm. It sounds really exciting, and I wish you all the best with that. If people need or want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? They can reach out through LinkedIn. Uh, They can find me, Brittany Botworth, and I have a very funny spelling of both of those names, um, but it's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y-B-O-T-T-O-R-F-F, or they can just email me at Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-N-Y, at insightcouncil.com. Brittany, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage. It was great to catch up, and I wish you and Kim all the best with Insight Council, your new firm. Thank you so much, Alea. It was a joy to be here. 
That's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.